podcast or if you're in the cafe this morning. We love you. God bless you. Thank you for joining us. Facebook Live, same thing to you. If you are joining us by Facebook Live, why don't you send us a comment? Let us know who you are, where you are, where you're listening from. And if you would love more information about our church or something our church can do for you, uh, go to our church website at woodburnbaptist.org and contact us through there. Uh, God bless all of you. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Can I preach just to women today? Uh, Give the guys a break. How's that? Uh, You you know it doesn't work that way, right? Uh, There's simply no way to preach the gospel and and not apply to every single person. We're all the same in that we're all sinners and Jesus died to save us all. God loves us all. But honestly, there is uh, a difference in the way we're created male and female. And today I really want to just sort of gear the message toward uh, our sisters, toward the ladies. So uh, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3 and let's talk to ladies. My wife insists I don't know a lot. (laughs) She said I should probably have run this sermon by her, and it's probably true. Uh, We may all find out later. Um, Genesis chapter 3. I want to start with a quote. Uh, Help me out for a second, Scott. My uh, uh, iPad just died. Uh, Help me out with a quote from Stacey Aldridge. This is from her book, Captivating, and this is what she says. You really won't understand your life as a woman until you understand this. You are passionately loved by the God of the universe. You are passionately hated by his enemy. Stacey Aldridge, you really won't understand your life as a woman until you understand that you are passionately loved by the God of the universe and passionately hated by his enemy. That's really interesting. Very very interesting. I think a lot of us understand, although we've yet to comprehend the way God loves us. God loves you. Uh, God loves all of us. I think as women, sometimes we are slow to recognize that God just loves us unconditionally. As women, you're sort of trained to believe that you have to work for everything, that you have to work to earn love, that you have to somehow be deserving of love. And that's not the case with God. God's love is unconditional and he loves you, loved you from the start. God loves you, created you. You are one of his most favored daughters. You have to know that. But you also have to know that there is an enemy. His name is the devil, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him. There is an enemy and he hates you. He hates you because of the image of God that you bear. He, he hates you for that and he would destroy you if he could. Now, he really can. He's really not that powerful. Greater is he that is in us than he is in the world. That's what the scripture teaches us. So he really is not that powerful. The only power he has is the power we give him, but we give him a lot of power. And women, especially in your lives, you end up giving the devil a lot of power over you. You understand that God loves you. You understand, of course, that God is the one who is ultimately holding the world in his hands. But sometimes as a woman, you begin thinking it's you that holds the world in your hands. You start thinking that everything depends upon you. And and, and that's where the difficulty comes in. You you begin sort of thinking that that you're responsible, that if you don't do it, nobody's going to do it. And you sort of begin to to take over. It's... uh, It's complicated because when you think that you're responsible for everything and then everything falls apart, who do you blame? Yourself. Always yourself. So this is the difficulty. This is the problem in your life. You feel ultimately responsible for things so that when things go wrong, you probably first blame God, but mostly you blame yourself. But what you don't understand is you have an enemy. You have an enemy, the devil, and he is to blame. The scripture says he has come to steal, kill, and destroy. So wherever you see stealing, killing, destruction in your own life, it's the devil's work. It's not God's work, and it's not your fault. Now understand, you have an enemy. 
and understanding that you have an enemy who passionately hates you, then that is really one of the keys to learning what it means to live your life as the favored daughter of God. You have an enemy. Paul says that since we have an enemy, we must not be unaware of his schemes. He's not all that smart, the devil, and he really doesn't have any new tricks. It's the same trick he's used from the beginning. So let's go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 3 and talk about the ways that the devil comes against, uh, comes against the daughters of God. Let's start with Eve in the garden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 is where we'll be. This is a familiar passage, I know, but listen specifically to the way the serpent, the devil, approaches the woman. And then listen specifically to the curse upon the woman in Genesis chapter 3. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Is that what God said at all? Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? That's not what God said. Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you'll die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called out to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied. That's why I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. Interesting. What what I just said, did you hear that? I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head, you will strike his heel. I will cause hostility between you and the woman. Okay, two people in the garden, right? There is the man, his name is Adam, and there is the woman, her name is Eve. But, but in, this, in this moment of temptation, when the devil makes his move, who does he go after? He goes after Eve. Why does he go after Eve? It, it's interesting. Why does he have this, this special attraction, this special kind of hatred for her? He, he goes after her. 
Now, don't miss the very subtle fact there. We, we, we tend to overlook this. It's the fact that stated in verse 6. She ate it, but she gave some to her husband. Where was he? He was with her. I, I don't know. Okay, good luck with the rest of this sermon. I, I have no idea how you've always pictured this story or, or imagined this story. But, but often, I guess... In my imagination, when the serpent approached Eve, she was alone. But that's not the way Scripture portrays the story. Adam is with her. He's with her the whole time. Now, I know this is a sermon for women, but let's stop right now and just acknowledge the simple fact that the man is there. But what is his problem? It's sort of the man's contribution to the fall here. We often blame the woman for being the one that takes the fruit and eats it, but it's the man standing right there, passive, silent. He does nothing. And that moment when the woman really needs his strength, the man stands there passively and lets everything just fall, collapse. I mean, the man is standing right there. I know I'm preaching to women, but let's just stop and acknowledge there's something very, very very tragically true about that picture of the man who is passive and just simply does not come through for her. So the serpent makes this move to Eve. He addresses Eve. He he talks to Eve. The temptation is really geared toward her and in her terms. One day he asked the woman, did God really say, did God really say, see what he does there? He doesn't necessarily contradict or dispute. He just plants a question. He just plants a little bit of doubt in the woman's heart. Did God say, did God say that you can't eat from any of the trees? And she says, no, of course that's not what he said. He said we can eat all the trees except from one. The devil just says, I wonder why he marked off the one tree. I wonder why it is. And And then here's the big lie. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it and you'll be like him. Interesting. So the devil's lie, and again, he really doesn't have any new ones. He still comes to you the same way. His real lie is God is going to withhold something good from you. God just knows that if you eat from that tree, there's good things there. Everything good is with the fruit of that tree. And God doesn't want you to have good things. Isn't that amazing? It's not an amazing lie. It's an amazing sort of doubt to plant in the heart of anybody who knows the Lord God, creator of all, who gives us all good things. Devil just plants that seed. You know, the Lord, he's just trying to keep good things from you. He plants the doubt in the woman's heart. And that doubt really begins to work on her. And she begins to take things into her own hands. This is sort of the woman's way. Once she has that doubt, once she realizes that, that maybe God is not going to necessarily be faithful and her husband's not going to come through for her, she decides to take matters into her own hands. So Eve goes, she takes the fruit, she eats it, and she gives it to Adam who is with her. That interesting? Isn't it just sort of amazing? The devil goes toward the woman. And this is how sin is introduced into the world. But again, it doesn't really answer the question, why does he have this special hatred for her? What is it about the woman? What is it about the woman that creates this special hostility? Even in the curse in verse 15, God says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman. Do you understand this, woman? Do you understand this? That the devil has a special hostility for you. He doesn't much care for men either. 
But but recognize, there is a special hatred that the devil has for women. Now, where does that come from? Turn back in your Bible to Ezekiel chapter 28. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 28. It's kind of a hard one to find. It's toward the back of the Old Testament. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12. This is an interesting passage. In its context, we're talking about the king of Tyre who was a historical uh, wicked king, but notice the way the king of Tyre is condemned and described. We're going to describe him in terms of the angel Lucifer, the fallen angel. And interesting what we learn about the evil one here. Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 12. Son of man, sing this funeral song for the king of Tyre. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. All right, listen. You are the model of perfection, full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. You are in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone. Red carnelian, pale green peridot, white moonstone, blue green beryl, onyx, green jasper, blue lapis lazuli, turquoise and emerald. All beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. They were given to you on the day you were created. I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day evil was found in you. Your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned. So I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, almighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. Your heart was filled with pride because of all your beauty. Your wisdom was corrupted by your love of splendor. So I threw you to the ground. Crazy. Who are we talking about there? Well, we're talking about the king of Tyre in a way. But in talking about the king of Tyre, the the prophet uses the language describing Lucifer, the the original fallen angel, the devil. And how is he described? I don't know what you expect when we talk about the devil. Ladies, I don't know necessarily what you expect when I talk about an enemy that's coming against you. Maybe you picture like the, you know, the, the dude in the red suit, you know, with the pitchfork and the, and the horns, you know, so you, you figure if you ever see him out, you'll recognize him. But this is the problem. That's not the devil. That's not how he was created. And that's never how he presents himself. He's an angel of light. And by this description in the, in, in, in the passage, it was beautiful. One of the most beautiful things that God ever made was The angel Lucifer, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone, all set in gold. They were given to you on the day you were created. You were blameless. Your heart was filled with pride because of your beauty. Wisdom corrupted by your love of splendor. Okay, here's, here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I think. I think that the devil's special hatred of women comes from this. The fact that he himself was created as this most beautiful creature that God ever made, but he fell. His beauty was ruined by his pride. His beauty was ruined by his lust, his his desire to take the place of God. So he was cast down. And now, understand, every time he looks at you, every time he looks at you, woman, he sees that image of a beautiful God in you. 
He, he sees that image of beauty in you and he despises you for your beauty. He despises you for your life-giving power. Back in the book of Genesis, it describes Eve as the mother of all living. But in the book of John, it describes the devil as the one who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You understand? He comes to kill, but you, as a woman, you have this life-giving power. He despises you. He hates you for your beauty. He hates you for your life-giving power. He sees the image of God in you, and it, it just raises all of that hatred and all of the vitriol within him. He can't stand the sight of you. And so he attacks you. He moves against you. No question. So, as Paul says, we don't want to be unaware of his schemes. If you understand how he attacks you as a woman, then you will understand much more easily how it is that you live with victory in Christ. So let's just understand the devil in his ways. Go back to the Gospel of John chapter 8. This is Jesus talking, describing the devil. Gospel of John chapter 8, verse 44 says this he's talking to the pharisees he says you're the children of your father the devil you love to do the evil things he does listen he was a murderer from the beginning he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him when he lies it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and uh, say it father of lies he's a liar and the father of lies. So, so recognize the devil has no real power. He, he's not uh, like there's God and there's the devil and there are these two forces, you know, trapped in this eternal sort of Star Wars kind of, you know, uh, thing between good and evil. That's not how it is at all. I, I mean, God is all powerful. The devil is not. God is present everywhere. The devil is not. God knows everything. The devil does not. He's a creature. God could squash him like a bug. He's really not that powerful. His only real power is to lie, but he's good at it. He's good at it. And he's got nothing to do but watch you, lady, all day long. Girl, I mean, all he's got to do is watch you. And he studies you, and he sort of can strategize exactly what kind of lie will tie you up in knots, and he's really good at it. And for the most part, he... He really has a lot of control over you and the way you think because of the way you just sort of, without even knowing it, you accept his lies as truth. Now, even though he's lying to you, a lie that is accepted as the truth will operate in your life as if it were true. And that's why it's very important to discern the truth from the lies. Are you with me? So let's talk about what it means to be a woman and how it is that the devil comes against you personally as a woman. First off, understand that his lies are always sort of tailor-made for the way God has designed you and your heart as a woman. So let's talk a bit about what it, what it means to be created as a woman. First off, you were created for relationship. Now guys do relationships too. We just do it differently. A guy's best friend is usually his fishing buddy. And when fishing buddies go fishing, what do they do? Sit in a boat and talk? No, that would ruin it. That would ruin everything. They may sit in a boat all day long and not say anything other than, you know, hey, hand me another float, you know, whatever. You know, hand me another Mountain Dew. I mean, they don't talk, they don't share feelings. They don't just pull the boat over, you know, and, and, and you know, start you know, talking about their marriages. Guys, don't do that. I mean, we do relationship, but not like women do. 
We babysat a group of girls the other night, Friday night. We made our own pizzas, you know. And one of the girls, you know, we're making pizza, but she makes a pizza and she puts, you know, the pepperoni in the shape of a face, you know. So all of a sudden she's not made a pizza, she's made a person, you know. And before the thing is baked and it's time to eat, y'all, she loves this, you know, little guy. It's, it's a pizza, y'all. But, but that's the heart of a girl, you know, I mean, she, she turns it into something with personality and then, and then develops a relationship and then she won't eat it. <laughs> I mean, you understand what I'm saying? It's just something in the heart of a girl, something in the heart of a woman. You are created for relationship. You're wired for relationships. And the devil knows that. And this is how he attacks you. He tells you nobody will love you. Am I right? He tells you nobody will love you unless you do everything for them. He tells you that nobody will love you if they really knew what you had done. They tell you, he tells you that nobody will love you. He'll tell you that everybody's going to leave you and you're going to be alone. Am I right? He attacks you at this very place where God made you for love and God made you for relationship. First off, relationship with him. But understand, he just attacks you in this very spot. He knows that's where your heart beats. He knows that's where you're tender. He tells you nobody will love you. Nobody will love you. Nobody will love you. Nobody will marry you unless you sleep with them. Nobody's ever going to love you. You're going to be alone. It's, it's a lie. But a lie accepted as the truth operates as if it were true, right? Created for relationship. Number two, you're created for beauty. I'm not saying us guys ain't something to look at, and I'm not saying that at all. But, but I believe the woman really reflects the image of a beautiful God in a way that just guys don't. And I'm not talking about outward beauty. See, that's the devil's lie. The devil gets you to obsess with outward beauty. You ever follow girls on Instagram or women on Facebook? I mean, it's just sort of just, it's just crazy and sad. How, many, how, how often you know, the girls are just posting pictures and, and the pictures always have the same theme. Am I pretty? I mean, you know, they need that. They want that. They just want somebody to say, oh, girl, you're beautiful, you know? And that's what you all do, ladies. That's all Facebook is. Hey, girl, you're, you got it going on today. You know, what flavor of mascara is that? I mean, you know, that, that, that's what y'all do. It's, but, but it's this focus on outward beauty. And I'm not, I mean, I mean, I, I mean honestly, some of you could do with some mascara. I'm not t- saying not, not to, but... <laughs> But I'm saying the devil will cause you to focus on outward beauty. He will cause you to focus on outward beauty. And at the very same time, remember, he's a thief that's come to steal. So he'll cause you to focus on the flavor of mascara. And then meanwhile, out the back door, he's going to rob you of everything that would actually create genuine inner beauty in you. He's going to rob you of all of the qualities that actually help you reflect the beauty of an eternal God. He takes that away. So, you know, outside the house is all painted beautiful, but on the inside, there's some real ugliness there. And I'm telling you, that's what the devil does. That's his work. You were created for beauty. You were created in the image of a, of a God of such splendor. And, and you reflect that. 
but it's an inward quality. It's a spiritual quality. And the devil ruins that by causing you to focus only on the outside as if that's what matters. You're created for beauty. And last one, you're created for strength. Oh, Pastor Tim, that's where you're wrong. Women are the weaker sex. I'd like to just put you up against some of our women and let you say that to their face. They would crush you, dude. What are you talking about? I'd fight all the men in this church, but I ain't taking on half the women. I mean, they will kill you. They will kill you. I'm not talking about that. Remember in the Garden of Eden where it says the Lord God made a helper for Adam? The word there, Edzer Konegdo, it's a Hebrew word. It means strong help. It's not like, oh, look, it's daddy's little helper. You know, here, hold this while I work on the car. No, it's not daddy's little helper. Here, hold this. That word, answer, connect, or strong help. It's only in Scripture, other than in, in, in description of the woman. The only other place you find it is in descriptions of God. The Lord God is my strong help. You know, it says in the Psalms, I look up into the hills. Where does my help come from? My strong help comes from the Lord. You understand? Women are created for strength. So so forget this weaker sex stuff. God created you for strength, and you have strength. But this is where the devil attacks you. And this is where he really ties up a lot of you in knots, because it's kind of a double whammy. First off, he tells you that you're weak. He tells you that you can't do anything on your own, that you need a man. He tells you that you're empty, and that only a man will fill you up. Okay, that's crazy. That's absurd. Because the only kind of man that an empty woman attracts is an empty man. Understand? So if you're an empty woman, the only kind of man you'll ever get is an empty man. And he will never fill you up. So the devil tells you that you're weak and you can't do anything by yourself. He tells you that you need somebody else, that you always need rescue. That you're a victim somehow and you can't possibly do anything. You're weak. Weak. At the same time... He tells you that everything depends on you. Understand? He tells you that nobody else is going to do it. You've got to do it. It's your job because you're the woman. Nobody else is going to hold this family together. You've got to hold this family together. Nobody else is going to raise these kids. You've got to raise these kids. Nobody else is going to love these grandkids. You've got to love these grandkids. Nobody else is going to keep the nursery. You've got to go keep the nursery. Nobody else. I mean, you understand? Am Am I right? So women have this lie told to them, first off, that they're weak and they can't do anything, but then everything depends upon you. Everything depends upon the woman. You see how that sets you up? You're weak, but everything depends on you. So what that means is, no matter what you do, it will never be enough. It's a lie. But a lie, accepted as the truth, will operate in your life as if it were true. You'll never be enough. At the same time, it's all up to you. That's evil. I've told you all the story before of my Aunt Faye. I loved her. God bless her soul. Right before she died, she told me a story. And I've told some of this story. It's amazing to me, but listen listen to the heart of a woman. When when my Aunt Faye was a young girl, she and her brother Bobby were digging peanuts in the garden. 
with a pitchfork. Bobby was young. Faye was younger, uh, digging peanuts. And, and as they were working, Bobby had the pitchfork, and he accidentally stabbed Faye's foot with the pitchfork. Stabbed it right through. It was an accident. Uh, but they, they took Faye out of the garden and, and started tending to the wound. Well, my grandfather, uh, Faye and Bobby's daddy, was, was a really violent man. And um, Bobby got in a lot of trouble for the pitchfork thing. Got, he was, beat him. The father beat him and beat his back bloody. So later, uh, he was at the well with my grandmother, and she was taking water out of the bucket and, and just you know, pouring it down his back to clean the blood off his back. And he said, Mama, I can't do this anymore. I can't live like this anymore. And she said, Bobby, I know. You can't, you can't do this anymore. So, so my grandma Harris signed the papers so Bobby could go fight in Korea. He joined, joined the military. He went to Korea. He wasn't old enough, but they, they did the papers so he could go. And my Uncle Bobby died in Korea. He died in Korea. So flash forward probably 70 years. And I'm standing at the cemetery with my Aunt Faye. We were burying one of her brothers. And we're standing at Bobby's grave. And I just made the statement, you know, my Uncle Bobby, I never knew him. He's, you know, dead before I ever came along. Aunt Faye said, yeah, I know. He died in the war. I've always thought it was my fault. Aunt Faye, how could it be your fault? That's when she tells me the story. Bless her heart. She lived 70 years thinking that was her fault. What part of that was her fault? It was an accident that her foot got stabbed with the pitchfork. I mean, that's what happens. I mean, y'all... It wasn't her fault that her father was a violent man. It wasn't her fault that Bobby went to Korea. It wasn't her fault that Bobby was killed. But, but isn't, isn't that something about the way a lot of women's hearts operate? It was still somehow all her fault. Like, all of that is her fault. Sister, you can't live that way. Did you understand? How can you at the same time be so weak but then so responsible for everything that goes wrong? Because that's the lie the devil tells you, that it's all up to you. Now, he'll tell you you can't handle it. You're not strong enough to do it, but it's all up to you. You've got to do it all. So then when it all collapses, then it's all your fault. And then you live with all of this guilt and all of this shame. It is just evil. But you're not unaware of his schemes, right? You understand. You understand exactly how he lies. And so, as Paul says, we're not unaware of his schemes. That, that means we know how to defeat him. And you do not have to live this way, ma'am. You do not have to live your whole life with this false guilt. And that's his most paralyzing lie, that it's all your fault, that whatever happens, it's your fault. If the kids don't get their homework done, that's somehow your fault. You know, when our son got anemic and he had low iron, Casey just was devastated because that was her fault. She's a nurse and a mother. <laughs> you know, and our son's walking around like something out of Walking Dead. <laughs> and we're like, what is wrong with him? And plus he was running track and we're going, run, run. We just thought he was lazy. <laughs> we just thought, you know, run, what's wrong with you? And he's just like, you know, his, his gums are gray. Finally, they say low iron, and Casey's like, no, I'm a nurse. You know, I'm a mother. Yeah. 
Yeah, sweetie, that wasn't all your fault. False guilt is a paralyzing kind of lie. But understand, the only way to defeat a liar is with us, say the word, truth. The only way to defeat a liar is with the truth. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I love this verse. If you ever wonder what spiritual warfare is about, how do you fight the devil? It's probably not what you think. It's probably not what you think at all. Some of us think of spiritual warfare as, you know, like some kind of horror movie, like scenes from The Exorcist, you know, where you're like a Catholic priest, you know, you know saying the Lord's Prayer and, and the wind's blowing and, you know, heads are spinning and, and you think that's spiritual warfare. But no, no. Spiritual warfare is what Paul describes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Here's what he says. We use God's mighty weapons. Okay. Mighty weapons. You have mighty weapons at your disposal. We use God's mighty weapons to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. What? Knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. We capture every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Okay, that's weird. This is spiritual warfare. This is what it looks like. These mighty weapons are weapons of truth because the devil comes at you and he's a liar and the father of lies. You understand? So the only way to defeat a liar is with the truth. So what you have to do is understand that the war, the battle is happening in your mind. I'm not saying you're making it up. I'm saying the devil has a full-time job and it's just to whisper lies into your head. And he tells you, nobody will love you. You're going to be alone. You are not pretty enough. You don't work hard enough. You're not a very good mom. You're not a very good wife. You're not a very good church member. Understand? Your dress is a little bit long. Your dress is a little bit short. I mean, this is how he does all the time. He whispers lies, lies into your mind. And you've got to learn to recognize the truth from the lies. And you've got to learn to capture every thought. Now, what does that mean? That means when a thought goes through your mind, you've got to wrestle it down. And you got to take it all the way to the ground. And if the lie is, you know, your brother died because it's your fault, you've got to take that thought. You've got to take it captive. And you've got to look at it and decide if it's true or not. And if it's not true, understand, you cast it aside. You take every thought to make it obedient to the truth of Christ. You see how this works? The only way to defeat the lies is with the truth. That means you have to know the truth. And you have to walk in the truth. And you have to love the truth. This is Paul talking. We use God's mighty weapons to take every thought captive. Lady, what's he telling you? The the, the devil. What is the lie that he tells you that's got you so tied up in knots? What is the lie that he tells you that makes you feel like everything is your fault? What is the lie he tells you that makes it so difficult for you to love people, to trust people? What is the lie he tells you that makes it so hard for you just to look in the mirror and like what you see? You've you've, you've got to learn to defeat the lies with the truth. You want to know the truth? You are passionately loved by the God of the universe. 
the God who made you, formed you in your own mother's belly. He made you wonderfully. He made you beautifully. You're beautiful in his eyes. He loves you unconditionally. Now, you're not perfect. And you don't have to be perfect. You're flawed. But because of Christ, you're forgiven. Do you hear me? You're forgiven. So you don't have to live with shame and you don't have to live with guilt. You live with grace. You're forgiven. You don't have to do it all because Christ has already done it all for you. It's not up to you. It's up to him. You need to trust him. You need to find rest in him. You need to find truth in him. Because when you know the truth that comes from Jesus, that truth will set you free. You're passionately loved by the God of the universe, but you are passionately hated by his enemy, but we are not unaware of his schemes. You find your truth, you find your beauty, you find your identity in Christ, and you will have victory. Pray with me. Oh, Lord God, I pray for the ladies, the women, the girls, the girls in our congregation, Lord. It is devastating the way the devil has a special hatred for them, Lord. It seems like in any place in the world, in any tragedy, in any sort of disaster, Lord, it's always the women, the children that suffer the most, Lord. It is as if the devil has this unique, special hatred. God, I pray that you would bless the women in this house, the women in the sound of my voice, Lord, that they would learn to understand the lies the devil tells them. Lord, some of them have listened to the same lies all their life. It's difficult now, Lord, to hear the truth because the lies have become so familiar. The the lies have begun to form their identity, Lord. The lies have become who they are. Jesus, I pray today that you would set women free by the truth that comes from you, O Jesus. Set them free. Help them, Lord, to understand that they're loved with an everlasting love, Lord Jesus, that you are all that they need and that you are enough. Lord, help them to understand the beauty that you have put in them, in them, Lord. And Lord, I pray that having put that beauty inside them, Lord, that you would show them that you and only you know how to bring that beauty out. Oh, God, help them to find themselves in you, to find their beauty in you. Lord, I pray that you would help them to find their strength in you. The devil tells them that they have to be strong, that they've got to do it all themselves, Lord, and that separates them from the only source of strength there is. Lord Jesus, it's you. The strength is in your hands. So, Lord, today I pray that every girl, every woman, Lord, will come and place her life in your strong hands and learn to live a life of victory as your most favored daughters. God bless us all, men, women, boys and girls, that all of us may learn the truth that comes from Jesus. Learn how to defeat the lies of the evil one. We pray these things in the name of Jesus who gives us victory. 
Amen.